Also today was the Cyber Fight Festival. We're not looking at this week either. We might look at it next week, but it was Dominion from New Japan Pro Wrestling, which we're going to look at a bit. But also this week was a great show from Okinawa Bunker Tempest Hall in Naha, Okinawa, which was watched by myself and my guests for today, Mr. Marcus Green of Baton Rouge, Louisiana. How are you doing, sir? Going good. Glad to be back. It's another, uh, another week talking some glee, so... I was gonna say it's like the moment I said put like New Japan Dominions on this weekend. We have a group chat, group chat. We ask you who's available to do what, and uh, I said New Japan Dominion Jay White versus uh, a card that's on this weekend. Anyone want to watch it with me? No response. And then as soon as I said there's a great show this week as well, Marcus, like, I'll be there. <laughs> Don't worry about it. We'll do the great show. I got a feeling great has become your new Ring of Honor. Yeah, that's actually a great uh, thing because at the, at the moment, the fingers feels like Ring of Honor is in complete limbo. So, um, yeah, Glees kind of feel that that gap between like the Ring of Honor and New Japan of it all. Like when the yes. relationship was actually good. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Well, we have many forbidden doors to talk about today. Um some for great as well. There are doors that will be brought down, some which perhaps should have been left up. We'll talk about that later. The actual show itself was in front of 140 fans. It was on YouTube. It's free. You can go watch it. They won't charge you. They're really nice people. <laughs> they want people to follow the company and buy their merch, and their merch is cool. If you're a fan of Bulk Orchestra, you can buy their aprons. And I did promise to find out what the apron's significance was and Michelle, who's the big deathmatch writer in Japan, who loves Glate and loves DDT and BJW, I asked her and she said, well, you can show off more muscles in an apron, can't you? And I thought, no, I was that. that was, that's very sensible. And that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of bulk orchestra, Kazuma Sakamoto and Quiet Storm defeated 60 seconds, John Tonsho and Tetsuya Jishka. In 11 minutes and 50 seconds, in what has could become traditionally a bit of a banger to open with uh, between Bulk Orchestra and some baby faces. And this was by no means no exception. These four gentlemen can go somewhat. And this was really cool to watch. Um, Sakamoto and Quiet Storm, obviously being the big bad heels, had the advantage over the youngsters. Uh, but they, but they, they held more than held their own. And this is kind of the thing that Glate does well, a mixed match of styles. Obviously, Quiet Storm used to be a Noah guy. Sakamoto has been around for a while. He used to be Wrestle One. Um, his name is Wrestle One's a freelancer now. Oh, no, he was, uh, yeah, he was, um, been around for 19 years. He even did a stint in the um, development system in WWE. Uh, he was trained by Takamichinoku. There's all these guys who are just available that Glate used so well. You know, Tonsho um, is a great contract wrestler, but he started off with who did who did he start off with? I'm trying to think now. No, he just started off with Glate. <laughs> so there's no list on his trainer. I'm just trying to find where where is he? Where did he start off with? Who did he start with? 
he started off with Russell One. I was right. Yeah, he started off with Russell One. So he was kind of like one of uh, Kiyoji Muto's protégés, another person we'll be talking about later as well. Um, and then, you know, there's Iska, who, um, again, is another great guy, but he started off with, um, who do you start? Pro Wrestling Heat Up and Gato Move. You know, so they've come from all over and they're doing good things. Um, and yeah, what are your thoughts on this opener, Marcus? No, the same as yours, solid opener. I think uh, we got a new ball version of that um, later in the show with the, um, I think, the, what, the second to last match? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got an upgraded up, Like you said, both, both orchestra, man, they just, you know, just a solid fashion. You know, definitely got some personalities when you, as soon as you see them. Um, certainly not all the same looking guys by any stretch, but they are <laughs> particular size, and they had the size and power advantage over 60 seconds. Like you said, 60 seconds put up a hell of a fight, but uh, it's, it's that you know the numbers game and that camaraderie. So, um, like I said, I thought it was a solid opener. Didn't wasn't trying to steal the show. Didn't need to. Just a, like you said, a good solid opener. Indeed. Um, just just kind of thing they're really good at. It. They always. I mean, the show started off with. I should mention this, of course, show started off with Strong Hearts, who came out to challenge, you know, talk about their challenge of uh, Bork Orchestra in the main event uh, with the other members of Bork Orchestra who weren't there. <laughs> um, came out wearing their new beach shirts, which was really cool. I like that. That was like more Glate merch, which they're trying to shift, which is that if you want a nice shirt for the summer, strongly correct, suggest the Hawaiian plate shirt. They look cool. Um, but yeah, it's it just, just, fun opener sets up the story for the show everything seems like a complete show it's a bit like a mini monday night raw if you see what i mean they've got angles they set things up they pay things off but they don't outstay the welcome it's about a wrestling show and that's what i like about this you, you obviously the one of the producers is um kazayashi who has an awful lot of experience in wcw and wwe so you know he's producing the show exceptionally well to tell a long-term story and i think it pays off i know we talk a lot about glade because we've covered a lot of glade shows recently but it's well worth watching we can't sell this to you enough <laughs> right, uh, yeah next up was the ongoing pain of michioko miyagi's career as she loses to madeline of pro wrestling diana in five minutes and 57 seconds this was short but sweet. It was a thoroughly good wrestling match. But again, Miyagi falls up short. What's your thoughts on this one, Marcus? Well, initially, obviously, I got introduced to Miyagi uh, a show or two back and, and was captivated by this absolute assassin. Uh, <laughs> and essentially, when the match started, I was like, I was completely, you know, worried and kind of just waiting for, for the pin because Madeline tried to, you know, take a lead off with a with a, a show of respect with a handshake and transition into a small package, which did not work. <laughs> <laughs> to say death was imminent and uh, <laughs> and it was going that way because, it, you know, something else I noticed is nothing Miyagi does that doesn't look like it, it, it's not meant to hurt. Like, she don't just do nothing, mm-hmm. just do it. Like, everything is impactful, everything just... Feels like it has double the impact, double the weight, and and kudos to Madeline because after that, I mean, she kind of knew she was. You know, kudos to her for knowing she needed to get out the way early and tried. But after that, it's just like I wish she kind of would have stuck 
through the strategy more of uh, trying to transition into those submissions she was going for because trying to trade strikes with Miyagi is it's it's fool's gold. It's, it's not it's not it's not it's just not. I don't recommend it for nobody. Not um, true. Yeah. I think the great thing about this match is it surprised me because it did not go how I thought it was going to go. And you alluded to uh, the continued tragedy that is these Miyagi uh, losses because she's absolutely dominant for most of it. And then brilliantly, as Marilyn did, she uses Miyagi's own momentum against her and catches her in another uh, unique pin combination and, and sneaks out with the win. Yeah, that's the thing. It's It's like... Uh, I, I I have a feeling they're telling something really special from Yagi and they want to build her up. And the way you build people up is to get them to lose over and over and over again. You know, Kenta uh, Kibashi is the classic example of Jay Baba loved Kenta Kibashi. He thought he was going to be a major star. And gen- as generally speaking, Giant Baba was right. So we had him stare at lights for 18 months. And when he finally won, and the fans were absolutely have solid belief in him that he could win, the place went unglued. And it made him. And that's what they're trying with Miyagi. And that's the fascinating thing to watch her. She does get cheered more each week because she's like, she's got this killer intro. She's got this killer walk on. She's so enthusiastic. And, you know, she's such a, a bright, snappy character in, in what's sometimes, a, uh, well, it is a fun promotion. To stand out as a fun person in a fun promotion like this, then, you know, you go in some. And Miyagi's awesome at that. And that's what I love about her. So, you know, she's lovable, but she's not a loser because she used to win quite big back in the Sendai, girl, the Sendai Girls days. I think they're trying to get the stink of the stardom run off of, off of her more than anything else, which was unfortunate for her. But, you know, that's the way things go, isn't it? And Madeline as well. We should not stop her short. She's an exceptional professional wrestler, trained by the one and only Emi Sakura and Kyoko in a way. Yeah, it's... No, absolutely not taking anything away from us. Just, you know, Miyagi just comes off in a different league. She has this look and this aura about herself. And like I say, when you see her perform moves and do a shot, it's like, do these, these uh, like I said, trade these strikes. It's, she's just in a different ball, ball game. She even has a stance, like like this weird stance, like like I said, like an assassin almost, like kind of hunched over. <laughs> not really. It's it's weird, but that's I think that's all a part of it. Um <laughs> Yeah. Who trained Michiko Miyagi? Well, that was Maker Satomura. Who trained Maker Satomura? Well, that was Billy Robinson. And that's where that comes from. <laughs> yeah, see? Again, I, 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 you know, get the lead in and you knock it out the park with that. There you go. You see, it, it's, it's very, you look at the way she stands and it's very much the way Zack Sabre Jr. stands, very, very much the way that Daniel Bryan, Steve Regal, well, William Regal, you know, a lot of those Wigan arcade shooter guys have yeah. a stance about them and it's a lot of it's to do with that it's just like you know be loose be ready for anything react to stuff you know that was that was billy robinson's rule if you've got you know in a shoot fight if you don't if nothing happens in six seconds you move somewhere else and that's why they have that stance is because it, it allows them to move around and allows them to be intimidating without really tightening up it's yeah it, she's she's special yeah and i think that i think that you know I think I could understand why she left Sendai Girls because she was the number four, really, behind Hashimoto and behind Dash. So she was never going to be like, you know, the top star of the company. And she was something completely different, which didn't really mesh with what Sendai Girls was doing. 
but then she didn't really mesh with what stardom did either. And it was probably good money and it was probably worth her while, but you know, this is something she's doing and it feels like it's organic and it's her and she's building something. And that's really important, I think. Absolutely. And they're booking it right because, you know, this didn't come off like she just, you know, like a like a complete wash. Like she had to match all intents and purposes in the bag. Thankfully, like I said, Madeline kept to her pinning uh, strategy because if she would have kept trying to go head up with it, she might have lost by TKL. Yeah. this. I mean, this is the thing. If you watched uh, AEW this week, Aussie Open and Will Ospreay made their debut in AEW against FTR and Trent Barrera. And as, <laughs> as Kevin Kelly, Chris, uh, um, uh, Chris Charlton, there you go, was saying on commentary, they they really dominated over FDR and uh, and um, and Beretta, and it was like, yeah, but they lost. So there's numerous ways you can tell their story. You know, they were dominant over this team, but yeah, but they lost. So New Japan gets protected because they were a dominant performance, but AEW gets protected because. You know that they lost. <laughs> it's all in how you tell the story, and a loss doesn't necessarily mean a loss, but a loss can mean a loss when you want it to. It's it's this is the the fascinating like way of saying how wrestling works. This is how we this is how we thought I wanted it to go when they was working with Impact, but but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with Impact it was like, well, he won and he won. <laughs> it was more like. Uh, <laughs> Anywho, let's just move on. The next match, the incredibly impressive Masato Kamino, my favorite late wrestler, Takanori Ito, defeated Minoru Tanaki, the living legend that is Minoru Tanaki. And I love a guy, another guy I love, Yuiska. 12 minutes and 11 seconds. This was a blast. This was fun. Iska and Ito have this long-standing rivalry as two guys is like kicking people really hard and Ito like throwing people around really hard and therefore that's where the clash comes and neither of them are baby faced well they're both ostensibly baby faces they're not part of um bulk orchestra oh Ito is more on the heelish side and is more of a shooteries type wrestler or Isco is more of a striker and Tanaka obviously a legendary shoot style wrestler and junior heavyweight is an ideal foil for Iska because he kind of matches up with Ito. And Kamina, who's more of a straight-up professional wrestler, kind of matches well with Ito. And they kind of got a bit of chemistry going as a tag team now. This was fun to watch. And just watching them all develop and tell stories together is a, a blast. I really enjoyed this. It's possibly my match of the night. What did you think of this one, Michael? Yeah, I think I'm right there behind you. I mean, these last three matches were... Uh... I mean, it was just ace in a lot of ways, but I'm certainly first off, I'm right there behind you uh, with Ito, I'm right there mm -hmm. in, the, in the line, get the autograph, and nothing, nothing beats a, a perfectly well executed German suplex, specifically. <laughs> so yet again, I, I you know I get watch one of these matches, um, and it was just ended with perfection. But um, I mean, it's interesting because I'm still in that sweet spot with Glee where um. I'm I'm paying like even more close attention to the matches because I'm I'm still matching the names with the guys. But this mm, is one of yeah. the like I stopped caring. <laughs> Enjoy the match, but obviously, um, uh, Minoru uh, obviously has a uh, you know he came off like the veteran. Uh, obviously yeah. in the match, yeah. and uh, Mino has a, a cool look to himself. But uh, then obviously Ito stood out and Izuku as well. But I kind of just kind of threw all that to the side and just enjoyed the match this was 
specifically when it started out, I think was it was it you and Ito that started it out? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It was just flesh on flesh, macho machismo. Keep <laughs> going. One of us is gonna fall. Loved it. And then I think the match just built in climax from there until it got to, like I said, that beautiful bridge in German at the end. And and Ito is uh gets even more ace points for like he held the poles after he let go. That was, <laughs> that was icing on the cake. Love it. It was, yeah. It's it's just Avalanche German is just amazing to watch. The fact that he hits the bridge as well is just like you know, I mean German suplex is a German suplex. They've been around for a long time. But Ito's is superb. It really yeah. is. It's yeah. it's it's got all the ex, the the avalanche to it and the bridge as well. It's like taking it's, it's like taking a deadlift German, adding the avalanche aspect because it just swings it over and then yeah. pouring a bridge on it as well. It's like all the possible Germans you could have in one go. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's awesome. So yeah, and this was an awesome match to watch. Next up we had Shima and Tieda. And they defeated Yatsuki Ayagi and Soma Watanabe. We've had Tida on the show before. Um, uh, he's a wrestler that is big on the indie circuit in Japan. He's a freelancer. Um, been together for nine years. Been wrestling for nine years, I should say. And he wrestles for everybody, as you'd probably imagine. He started his career in uh, Ryuki Dragon Pro. And then he spent some time in Freedoms. He's gone to Dragon Gate, All Japan, DDT. All the places you'd expect someone to go when they're a freelancer, um, including Oz Academy, the all-women's promotion. But there you go. He's a very popular guy, and he's a very popular wrestler. Uh, and so far in his late career, he's kind of been on the losing end of things. Um, so tagging with Seema was an opportunity to show his wares. Uh, Atsuki Ayagi is very, very good too. And Soma Watanabe is a guy who I think is the future of Japanese wrestling. He's got everything you want in a Japanese wrestler, the looks, the character, but he he's kind of seems to be a bit lost at the minute. They seem to be really big on him last year and then now he's kind of floating around doing things. But I think as well it's because he hasn't got a faction, whereas the other wrestlers have, and it's given them a lot more focus. So I hope they do something more with Soma Watanabe than they currently do. But he's 23. He's got plenty of time. He will get there. Um, he was trained by Shuji Kondo, Kazayashi Nusi Kadama, um, and Ayuyagi, uh, again, another young wrestler. He comes from, where is he? He's been, he started off his career. Oh, he was, yeah, he's an All Japan wrestler. He's an All Japan contracted wrestler. And it was nice to see somebody from All Japan who I don't get, get to watch much very often anymore. And he was very good too. So it was nice to have different guests on the show. What's your thoughts on this match, Marcus? Again, it was it was just like the the previous one where I kind of just just sat back and enjoyed it specifically because you know it really seemed like T and Seymour were um, in sync in a lot of ways, mm. having a, and I think giving some size to uh, Atsuki and, and, and Watanabe, uh, and they kind of just they had to tough it out. They had to just keep laying on those combinations and, and rely on speed, space, and uh, impact. And I, I dug it. It was some good stuff, and it really came, like you said, full circle. Even if it's not necessarily with Glee telling the story throughout the, the card, like they do a good job of telling the story in a match. Because even if I wasn't uh, familiar with somebody like Tita, I felt the story they were trying to tell with the end, to your point about him kind of needing to win once we got to the end, and, and you know, obviously him kind of getting the spotlight and him getting that, that cool win in the end. So, um, yeah, like you said, it's about telling stories with these guys, building them up, obviously. He put in a lot of work 
in the match. So um, it, it was some good stuff. Like you said, you know, teaming in with somebody who's obviously, you know, more 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 of a veteran, just go help this guy out. And hopefully we get to see them tag more. Like I said, uh, even if they haven't been tagging together long, they had some great chemistry throughout this match. Yeah, definitely. It's just fun. That's the thing with Glaiters, it's just fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's just fun. And that's the thing is, like, I get kind of held up with New Japan and the statuses in the Times, and after today's show, I'm kind of like, mm, mm, yay, that's good, but that's not good. Um, so, you know, but with late, it's just never bad. It's never boring. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, so there you go. Uh, main event, we got Issei, Inosaka, Shigehiro, Shigehiro, Iri, and T-Hawk of Strong Hearts. They defeat Bulk Orchestra. Check Shimatani, Hayata Tamura, the leader of Strong Hearts, and Great Shukawakami in 18 minutes and 23 seconds. Of the usual hell for weather, Strong Hearts versus Bulk Orchestra six-man multi-man tag action. This was all over the place. They, they couldn't go too far because the, there wasn't an awful lot of barriers around. To protect the fans and they both respected that as much as they possibly could but given the, the fact that they were in a tiny 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 wrestling hall and they were throwing lumber you've got to say they they were hitting hard and it was so much fun to watch what's your thoughts on this one marcus yeah this is the this is the, the super match this I'll, um you know funny enough kind of takes me back to new japan when we'd have uh well that'll be um chaos versus what suzuki goon or uh L. <laughs> And then when they put the aces versus the aces of the groups. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, Issei is, uh, you know, he got his, I mean, because I like the veteran, T-Hawk, you know, seems like a young young guy that's, that's continuing to build. And Shinga Hero is just, he's special, man. He's special. I feel like this is definitely a combination you want to put against Boca Kestra, like you said, because they play the numbers game. They play that. Ironically enough, the Suzuki Goon style of, oh, yeah, we start all our matches outside first. Um, <laughs> you know, with the barricades or whatever. Like you said, they respected that. But uh, this was just, again, fun to watch, great finale. Uh, going back to Erie, like, this is the first time, I don't think I've ever seen it before. Maybe it's something he does on the regular, you could tell me. The freaking Paul Driver Centon that he did, I'm like, yo, that's, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, yeah <laughs> they're trying new things they're yeah. breaking new grounds and each other yes yeah. <laughs> but yeah no this, this this is this is just kind of like the driving force of what the company is at the minute and it's just brilliant to see because they're wrestling each other that much they're finding groups aren't they yeah you know um and it's it, it's always surprising to see what they can come up with every well, I suppose they're putting out nearly a show a week now. I think it was two weeks since we last looked. Every couple of weeks they put one on YouTube. Obviously, they're touring as well. They don't put all their shows on YouTube. But, um, yeah, no, it's just so cool to see this company grow and see the relationships between wrestlers and how they're building up. And, yeah, it's an independent wrestling company, but they've got such good presentation. They've got such good storylines, and they're so well-produced. And it's amazing that they can do these on the budget that they're doing it on and produce such shows that are this cool. Absolutely. For sure, definitely. And that kind of wraps us up on Glate, except for some news. T-Hawk threw out an open challenge to anyone in the New Japan professional wrestling locker room, and it was answered by the House of Torture. Bullet close red-headed stepchild of a faction within a faction. Um, so that means that Yujiro, Show, 
uh, a Evil and Dick Togo are all going to Gleet in the next couple of weeks to go do a show over there. So that'll be intriguing. Any thoughts on that, Marcus? Yeah, that's that. <laughs> like you said, the faction within the faction. When you when you kick it off with you, Joe, I'm like, yeah, this was not a. <laughs> this is this is an interesting bunch to say the least. That's going over there, but a, a bunch that could very well mix it up. Um, has been surprising over these last couple of years. Um, you know, when he's been putting these tournaments and whatnot, he's another one that that you know when he. You know, let's go with the theatrics. So Peter, the lovely Peter, is not around. He can kind of get in his back. <laughs> um, but these guys from Glee, man, they all, you know, they all come off like on a different level. Like I said, T-Hawk is just continuing to build. And when you make a challenge like that, you're more than looking to prove yourself. So, uh, like I said, that should be interesting to say the least. Yeah, for sure. It's um, going to be going to be something special. I think it's going to be something interesting because it is like, you know, Glate's fun and it's supposed to be fun and yes. House of Torture are the opposite of fun. So we'll see what comes up with. I think it'd be more interesting than watching a New Japan because the, there's things that go on in Glate that are kind of a bit more around the houses, if that makes sense. They can have a lot more fun with what they're doing. And I think House of Torture actually fits Glate better in that sense because it's not quite so serious. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm kind of I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I wonder, I wonder if, where, where Yano could fit in something like this in terms of uh, maybe going to Gleet and doing something else. Maybe, maybe Yano just kind of fares better on this New Japan turf because it's just, you know. I, th I think that's the thing. He's like, he's like the anti-establishment kind of guy, isn't he, in New Japan Pro Wrestling? So he's the one that's kind of like, um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? He's sort of kind of, he's got things to go against. If he's the comedy guy who bends the rules, you have to have fairly strict rules for that to make that work. Yeah. Yeah, whereas in in, in Glate, he'd just be kind of like one of the guys because they kind of all bend the rules all the time. So, yeah. 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 But I think he could have some fun. I think he definitely could have some fun in, in there. I think he'd enjoy himself. What did you think of the show overall and where do you think it puts Glate at the moment? No, I dug it. Like I said, um, you know, Glee is one thing you, you got to appreciate about Glee that, you know, it's kind of back and forth. Like I said, in the States, even watching, you know, this is the most lax of days ago I've been watching uh, anything WWE related. And AEW is kind of hit or miss, depending on the week sometimes. Uh, but Glee is just consistent, you know, all around. And now that, you know, they continue that, that bridge with New Japan, I think it's only going to get uh better in terms of this show i thought it was real solid um didn't have a, a super super stack call with like 20 matches but it didn't need <laughs> you know because they they would well, they you know they appear to lack in quantity on paper they make they make up for in quality in the matches you know so um you just you got you gotta love it like you said they don't put all the shows on on the youtube because you know obviously you gotta I guess, you know, diversify with the content, but the ones they do is, they you know, worth it. They feel like they get near 20,000 uh, views or something per video, so that's that's good. Yeah, I mean, there's also, there's also the, I mean, like Al Linderman didn't appear on this show because I think, you know, he deserved, took a well-earned rest after his reinvested Super Junior. So there's, you know, they're, they're swapping people around, bringing people in and trying to do different things. So that's the main thing. Some interesting guests from all Japan and one thing or another. So, yeah, no, it was good. It was a solid show. 
Now we're going to move on to Dominion Opinion. Dominion 6.12 from Osaka Joe Hall in Osaka, Japan. Uh, Marcus hasn't seen this show, but he's going to stick around for commentary on this show because it was an important show in New Japan because it kind of sets the company up for Forbidden Door and it was an interesting show, to say the least. <laughs> it opened up with United Empire. Aaron Henry, Francesco Akira and TJP uh, are accompanied by the Great Okan and former WBA... Well, oh, hang on, I'll make sure I get the right weight division. The former WBA super lightweight and IBO, WBA and IBO super lightweight champion and the former WBO welterweight champion, Jesse Vargas, who's a friend of TJP. They defeated 609 Master Wato, Raisuki Taguchi and Hiroshi Tenzan when Aaron Henry beat Hiroshi Tenzan with a full Nelson. Which is about as basic as it gets, really. <laughs> 10 minutes and 31 seconds. So they, the baby faces were accompanied by old Lumpy himself, Mananubi Nakanishi. It was nice to see him back. But yeah, bit of a, a submissions finish from uh, Aaron Henry there. Yeah, I mean, look, the, you know, uh, like I said, you got you got to appreciate something like that, you know, because um, it, all, it all goes into it. Obviously, we're not necessarily used to seeing just a plain old full Nelson. Get it. Did he add the swinging motion to it? No, no, no. Just a wow. straight, straight full Nelson. He got him on the floor for a knee in the middle of his back to add a bit of extra pressure, but it was just a regular full Nelson. Warlord style, if you will. Nice, nice, yes. nice. Uh, Billy, Billy Jack Haynes style, um, or, you know, uh, was Hercules usually, like Chris Masters even. Yeah, yeah. Like say he didn't even master lock it. He just kind of just okay. And Honoré obviously not missing arm day in the gym. Dig it. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's it. You know, Henry's come on so much in the last eighteen months. Oh yeah. You know, you know he's just like he's found himself. The, the babyface character ad was going nowhere, and this heel character ad is, is kind of just it's made him seem refreshed, and you know, it's given him a lot of impetus. So yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, man. Only thing that I guess sucks in this situation, like after I finally get it, get what what appears what felt like a good progress report from uh, John on Wato, he, he's on, <laughs> losing in on a team that included TJP. This is a bad week. It is. Um, Francesco Akira and TJP did beat the champs at Kurikan Hall last week as well, so they have a championship match lined up with six or nine come the next major event. So that'll be for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships. The next up was Bullet Club, Ace Austin, El Fantasma, Taiji Shimori against Los Ignorables de Japón, Bushi, Hiromu Takahashi, and Tetsuya Nato. I must have... Just, yeah, it was there. It happened. I, uh, <laughs> I, don't really, I don't really know what happened after that. It just kind of happened. No, you said it. Oh, yeah, cut out. You said it was, uh. No, just, yeah. Sorry. I, I just said it happened, and I can't remember what happened. I can't, I couldn't tell you who won. I know, I know, I'm reading the cage match page, so I know who won, but I couldn't tell you how they won. It was just like, Meh. Yeah, I mean, just... it's, that, it's that time of year again, you know, Bullet Clubs and, uh, Moving ascendancy, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and ascendancy moving chess pieces around, and they they tend to. I mean, you got the addition of Ace Austin, and they move some other pieces around, and then and got another you know new guy or whatnot. So this is that 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 trend when they're going to be getting racking up these wins. Obviously, Lij has nothing to snuff at. Naito, Bushi, and Aron can beat any given team on any given night, but mm -hmm. you know, the, the, like I said, the Bullet Club narrative is, is taking precedent right now. 
Yeah, I mean, the thing was, is Ishimori, um, I mean, Hiroma was announced last as your best of super junior champion. So he was the, you know, the LIG ranking member for the day, which rarely happens because it's usually NATO, which is like, and obviously there is he, there is the, the story between him and Ishimori as the top two ranked junior heavyweights. But the kind of, with Ishimori winning, you know, um, after the last, we, you know, the wishing we're not defending yet against um, uh, Hiromu. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's just kind of like one of them things. But until that happens, not a lot's going to happen with the junior heavyweights. So we'll see what happens there. But, yeah, no, it's, again, forward the, the story of, you know, you've got Ace Austin, who's classed as a junior heavyweight in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So there was more intrigue there. Um, but yeah, um, next up was Toriano versus Doc Gallows, and exactly the kind of match you would think Toriano and Doc Gallows would have. <laughs> Doc to his fastest gimmick, Jesus, four minutes and five seconds. Okay, four minutes and seven seconds, <laughs> <laughs> to be fair. But yes, it was it was all right, it did what it was supposed to do. Toriano wins. Well, it is slightly pointless because you know Toriano is going to win because it's going to aggravate Doc. So, and it doesn't matter if Doc loses this match because it's Toriano. Uh, and, you know, they've got G1 coming up. Someone needs some wins. <laughs> oh, man. So, there you go. Next up was a proper championship match House of Torture, Evil Show, and Nujo Takahashi, your never open weight six man champions, along with, of course, the veritable Dick Togo, successfully defended their championship against Suzuki Gun, El Desperado, Yoshinubi Kanemura, and Zack Sabre Jr. Nine minutes and 26 seconds in a match that was pretty interesting until it got to the usual House of Torture shenanigans. Um, <laughs> um, what happened with this match was it was Kanemaru's game plan. Kanemaru went after everybody in the G1 full court press and did not slow down. That's how he beat Hiromu Takahashi. That's how he beat Taiji Ishimori. So he has pinfalls over the former, the guy who won Best of Super Juniors and the IWGP heavyweight, junior heavyweight champion. And then he went after show and he full court pressed show and went after his legs as he went after the other two as well. And he got a submission victory in the Best of Super Juniors, parlayed that into a title shot against the Never Openweight Six Man Championship team. And of course, if you want two guys who are going to be balls to the wall, it's going to be Zack Sabre Jr. and El Desperado, isn't it? And that's what they tried to do. They tried to separate off uh, show with Kanemura so Kanemura could go after the knees again. And that worked for about eight minutes until show stuffed a wrench down his kick pads. And that was all she wrote for the challengers. As you can imagine, though, it was pretty exciting once it got going. But then things kind of went the usual route, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, that's... You know, this ain't this ain't gonna be necessarily looking at these names. This ain't gonna be the cleanest of affairs. Um, and it's funny too, cause you, you think about, I think about Suzuki Goon. I'm like, if there was any other name to give them besides Suzuki Goon, uh, a faction that included Zack Saber Jr. and Minoru Suzuki, it would be House of Torture. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, um, but yeah, I mean, like you said. Uh, you gotta appreciate the the live here of Evil and and Yujiro, who we're not really used to seeing um, with a lot of gold and obviously you know showing you and doing their thing. So you know they got go back around their waist, but uh, not you gotta give them kudos. Not too many people outsmarted out 
out of Goon Suzuki Goon. So, you know. Yeah, there you are, really. That's where we're at. Uh, next up, uh, to the joy of many, <laughs> the IWGP Tag Team Championships changed hands once again as United Empire, Ray Khan, all hail, and Jeff Cobb, along with Aaron Henry and Jesse Vargas, defeated Bad Luck Farley and Chase Owens in 10 minutes and 56 seconds in a match that was all right. It was never going to be great. I have to give it to Bad Luck Farley because when he's in a championship match, he really tries and he was running all over like a madman as much as a 300-pound, you know, truck can run around. He, <laughs> he, he was he was all over the place. He was man of the match. He just, like, you know, it's like, what, what got into you? <laughs> Why haven't you been like this for the last three years? Um, and then Chase Owens was doing his usual Chase Owens thing. Um, it was kind of predictable, because obviously O'Connor and Cobb are the better tag team, let's be honest, and they've, they've had more stretches of success as a tag team. But they also beat up FDR the other week. And, you know, it's all right going to AEW and challenging the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions. But when you've got no swag to take with you, you kind of need something to trade. So now you can have a championship versus championship match at Forbidden Door and everyone's happy. And <laughs> I think that's probably what you're going to get. <laughs> I have a lot of those lately, so. Yeah, so I, it, it's I kind of like to have seen in one sense, I kind of like to have seen Okan and, and Cobb go after the, the Ring of Honor Championships and Aussie Open go after Bad Luck Valley and, um, and Chase Owens just to give it more depth to the tag team division. Yeah. But that, that wasn't going to happen. So it is what it is. There you are. It does the thing. Uh, Cobb and Okan are two times champions. They never lost the belts when they won them because it was a three-way team match that did there. And, you know, just did where it needed to do, really. <laughs> but there you go. So we move on, and there was an announcement. There was actually two major announcements. There was the Noah show today. I don't want to talk too much about the Noah show. But finally, I will say this. The Kiyeji Muto announced his retirement today. A man we all thought would wrestle forever has finally been told by his doctors to stop it because he's got to have a hip replacement. And you can't really wrestle once you've had a hip replacement. So he's done. He's going to wrestle up until spring and he's going to have a bit of a wind down and have his last few matches. But unfortunately, this spells the end for Kiyeji, the great Muta. Um, I'm no doubt we will have a Troopany show dedicated especially to him because he has been one of the wrestlers I've watched longest. I've been watching Kiyeji Muta wrestle for literally 33 years. Um, and I want to do him justice. So we'll be doing that when we get chance to, um, and we'll do a playlist like we did for, um, obviously, for Tarzan Gotha last week. We'll do something special. But any comments on the news of there, Marcus, of the announcement of Kiyeji Muto? I mean, I'm, I'm kind of right there with you. He kind of always came off like he was just going to stop when he wanted to. Um, and, and hearing you say that, that would have been the only thing that stopped him was the doctors. Because, um, mm. you know, even what little he could do, he made great. And I don't think anybody tires of seeing that man. And he he's like the undertaker of Japan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, a lot of ways, you know what I'm saying? Like, even though you may know what his physical condition can be and, you know, not in his prime and yada, yada, yada. When he gets in his full regalia and he gets in his, you know, his great mood of it all, 
you know, nobody, you know, nobody does it better. Like I say, even if it's not a, the plethora of things that usually could do, you know, it's that that line. I may not be as good as I was, but I'm as you know good as I've ever been today or whatever. So, yeah. And like you said, I mean, the fact that you say you've been watching him for the you know better part of thirty years, um, and gleefully watching him because uh, again, and and that that viewing is is comprised of just so many different things and what he's done as an individual, what he's done as a as a leader and a businessman, and obviously what he's done as a mentor for so many. So um, that's going to be uh, something fun to listen to and, and, and maybe even take part of. Um, so, yeah, not not necessarily shocked. Uh, you know, everybody got to wind down. I'm just glad that he's getting to do it on his own terms and um, not, not you know, it's not ending in a, in a negative way. You know? No. That's it. So we'll see what happens there. Um, let's just see. Uh, the next announcement was for the lineup or for the G1 Climax 29? 29, that was last year. It must be 30. Is it 30? I can't remember. Where is it? Let's have a look. Uh, 32, that's the one. 29 was a couple of years ago. Clearly, I'm half asleep. <laughs> the names announced was a bigger feel than I've had for quite some time. Four blocks of seven, 28 names. The two block winners for A will wrestle C and B will wrestle D and the semi-finalists. And then there will be a final. So this is the biggest G1 fear. I have a feeling it's going to take months. <laughs> when you said it, I'm like, Jesus, my head's spinning already. Come oh, yeah. Out. It's like three days worth of cards and stuff. Yeah, no, it's going to be insane. But there we go. It is our summer. We do like to do the G1. So I'll probably be doing it by myself this year. If you want to come help me out, please let me know. <laughs> I don't know. This this almost does does have to we we almost have to we'll have to bring in another team. Twenty eight names. Twenty eight names. Twenty. We'll all I've got all twenty eight names. Would you like to make comment on all twenty eight names? Here you go. Kazuchika Okada. Well, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah. Yes. Tom, Tom. Sorry, Carol. No. Uh, go ahead. Tom Tonga. Always somebody I'm rooting for. There you go. Hiroshi Tanahashi. Got to. Yeah. Okay. Filthy Tom Lawler. Okay, that's that's interesting. Yeah. The former NJPW Strong Openweight Champion makes his debut in the G1 Climax. Jonah. That's going to be one to watch. Mm, I'm going to see what goes on there. Yoshihashi. A, a shoe in the root for. Uh, yes, yeah, so me and Alex Watt have already declared him. It's going to be Yoshi Hash's year because we think the seventh time we say it, it might actually happen. Um, Hiroki Goto. Can't help but root for the man. Best runner up there is, man. <laughs> Tariano. Can you even do the G1 without putting Yano in it? I, I don't think you can. You've got to, he's only got to worry about six matches this time. So it's like, how many how many ways can he escape in six matches? He's got to come with a new escape method this year. Tomohiro Ishii. He's another one. I don't even know if you do the G1. If he's out sick, I'm <laughs> better. Like, it's, come on. Jeff Cobb. Got to do Jeff Cobb. He's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a wall to jump over for God of guys. Yes, he was a uh, joint finisher on top finisher on points last year and lost out on the last night to Okada, so he'd be one to watch. Yeah. Great Okan, all hail. All hail might be a name only with these other names. 
He is. I mean, he wasn't in the G1 last year, but he's been done really well in World Tag League. It's really where he's made his name. I know he did do G1 last year. Um, if I made a mistake, it was his debut year last year, so that'll be intriguing to see how he goes. Will Ospreay obviously wasn't in two when to G130, but he was in G131. Any thoughts there? Kane, Kane did not a man's talent. He's definitely going to be, but I, I can't see him not racking up points. It is Osprey. Yeah, this is the thing. It's like every sentence starts with, you can't deny his talent, but. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there we are. Even the New Japan commentators did call him a massive tosser. That was Chris Jones commenting on him not long ago. Anyway, Aaron Henry. I mean, I'm hoping to see some good things. Like you said, if he if he taking out people with full Nelsons, you know, he might be a dog. Mm-hmm. That bodes well. Back to basics, kind of United Empire kind of uh, watchword. Shingo Takagi. Another another guy. He's right there with Godo for me. Got a roof on. Yeah, definitely. Sonata. If if this if we rooting for you know again for the seventh time with Yoshihashi. <laughs> We got to put one of these years before any of us get grandkids. Sonata got to take something home. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he got to the final one year, I suppose, against Tabushi. Tetsuya Nato. It's a, it's a show. You got, you got to throw, you got to throw Nato in there, man. It's not, you know, it's a staple. Indeed, Jay White. Jay White, everybody's favorite villain. One to watch. But though this does feel like one of the potentialities where he might not rack up as many points as expected, even though, like I said, with the Bullet Club narrative going as it is, this is a deep feel. It's a deep feel. It is evil. Directly just in the middle. You know, evil just always toasts in the middle with kind of <laughs> and he's I mean right now he's carrying gold, so he doesn't necessarily need to do the most. No, that's true. I, and there's also there's only six House of Touch matches screw up instead of ten. So out of nine rather. So that's when mid reduce it easy. Kenta should be back and fit and ready. He was at the last big show. He was at the best of super junior finals. Wasn't fit enough to wrestle, but he should be fit enough to wrestle by G1 climax, which is not the easiest thing to do. Can you come back after a big layoff of six months with a broken leg? Oh yeah, let's go wrestle six high intensity main event matches for, for the night. Not expect, not expecting him to, to to come out on necessarily top, but he might be one of those ones specifically, like we said, coming out with a broke leg. Yeah, G one is the biggest field we've had in years, and he's coming out with a broke leg. Might get better later. Expect him to get get better. Mm-hmm. In this, yeah. Might pick up some broken bodies later in the tournament. Bad yeah. luck, Farley making his reward. Hasn't been in the G1 for three or four years, and obviously the bigger field, it's all hands on deck. So if he's in the shape, if he's in the shape he was today, and he can go for six matches at that kind of pace, I'd be interested to see what he can do. In the right shape, and he's in the right mood, bad luck, Farley can take out most guys. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a fun guy to watch when he's really cooking, but so rarely has he been really cooking... <laughs> But, you know, when he lost a load of weight, then he, he's got better. I think he's back on shape again, so I'm looking forward to that. Chase Owens. Yeah, he'll do what Chase does, man. <laughs> yeah, he will. Gee, rock hard, Juice Robinson. There's, how many Bullet Club guys are in this tournament? One, two, three, four, five, six, 
Six. Six bullet clubs in split six bullet club guys in this tournament. So yeah, six. Oh, they're all booked together. Yeah, there you go. But I haven't seen it necessarily juice since he's uh, joined Bullet Club also, but I, I think our favorite juice is the overly eccentric juice from years ago. <laughs> but you can't come on, man. Juice is just somebody that's absolutely fun to watch. And he may be even more uh, more so with this Bullet Club affiliation with this, uh, you know, you got to kind of have a bit of a mean streak in you, you know, joining this faction. So we'll see how that that in, uh, proves it does. I will point out, like, I've just added up, there's actually seven Bullet Club people in this tournament, so literally a quarter of the entrants are Bullet Club. <laughs> yeah, that tracks. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, tai Chi, one of your favourites. Yeah, this is, uh, again, he's another one. You know, if he's in the mood. If, if yeah. If, he, if he's not, he's just extenuating somebody's night, night where they could be resting, so... Fair enough, I can understand that. Zack Sabre Jr. We're obviously in the Suzuki gun section. <laughs> yeah, I mean, instantaneous. I mean, you got to put him, if you got like five options or, you know, four options of guys you think win, you always got to put Zack in there. There's nobody that he cannot beat. Or has this is, it, this is This is the thing. It's like they run him really hard at the beginning of the G1 last year. Yeah. And he, he was really over with the crowds and the Western fans were like, he's going to win it. And then he didn't. And he petered out again like he tends to in the G1. Everyone's like, oh, wasted opportunity. And then he goes and wins the New Japan Cup. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, really will they pull the trigger twice in one year? Could he win the G1 as well? And I'm like, I'm not sure he can. Just from a booking point of view, it doesn't make sense to. But I'd love it if he did. That'd be awesome. That'd be just so cool. But there we go. I guess we'll see. Um, making his return to the G1 for the first time in a very long time, Mr. Lance Archer of Suzuki Gun. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not expecting him to do much more than Farley. He's kind of, you know, he makes a lot of noise, but it doesn't necessarily go past the, the crowd, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, it depends. I mean, it depends on who's in his group. And he, he can have great matches with the right people. Yeah. But he can have some horrible matches if it doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't click right. So I, he kind of is at his best when he's bullying people. So if he had some of the smaller guys, then I think he would actually do it. would be really watchable. It would be just fun watching him throw people around. Yeah. Um, but if he's in there with Farley, then it's just not going to be fun to watch. Let's be honest, it's just going to be thumping each other really hard. David Finlay, Jr., the fourth, I should say. Root. Can't help but root. I mean, that Dave is uh, instantaneously one of our favorites. Not expecting him to go necessarily a lot, but I, you know, expecting him to, maybe he got four or six. Yeah. We'll can, see. Yeah. I mean, he's semi finalist of the New Japan Cup, one World Tag League. He's 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 there. He's a guy. He's former IWGP junior, sorry, former IWGP tag team champion. You know, he's on the, the Yoshihashi level of greatness. Um, but we'll see, you know. And last but not least, last but not least, making his debut in the heavyweight division, El Fantasma. El Fantasma, what is the last Willow Club member? Um, yeah. El Fantasma can do again. Leave the leave the antics behind. He can he can beat most guys. 
So it, it was interesting listening to the crowd because there was a bit of a gasp when Lance Archer was announced, a big round of applause, and there was a big gasp for Dave Finley and Phantasma too. So I think the you know the fans are like, oh, that's something interesting and different and new. So I think the fans were up for it. They also were fairly reacted fairly big to Tom Waller as well, which I didn't think necessarily would happen because you don't. I'm not sure how well New Japan Strong is going over with the Japanese crowd, but apparently they like it. Yeah, and this, like you said, this is an expansive field, but it does create a lot of different and, and fresh options. Like you said, we've gone through that list. You have some guys that have not necessarily been in a G1 for some time, or, uh, you know, this may be in a field that, that presents some unique combinations that a lot of people haven't necessarily seen before. It's still Bullet Club heavy, as like you said, you would expect. But um, it, it does create some unique um, opportunities for matchups, so we'll see. Indeed. We'll see what the blocks are announced like and probably have better predictions then when we've got the blocks to see who's against who. So once Dominion came back after the break, Hiroshi Tanahashi wrestled Hiroki Goto uh, for a shot at the AEW Interim World Championship. And Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated Hiroki Goto at 12 minutes and 39 seconds. This was a bit of an impromptu match. I and mean, people have asked me why this happened. And it's because everybody else was tied up doing stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you, like, uh, all the guys who were on this card, all of the upper mid-card guys you would expect to want to be, to, to expect to be the title. The only guy who wasn't really was Tetsuya Nato. And you don't want Tetsuya Nato versus John Moxley with a month's build-up. That you do over six months. So it had to be someone fairly expandable <laughs> without being, like, you know, Chase Owens. It had to be somebody big. But not too big, and so therefore, you know, and Goto got a lot of goodwill out of it this week. A lot of people were rooting for him to win this match, and it would have been absolutely brilliant. I would have loved to have seen John Moxley versus Hiroki Goto because it'd be like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> However, the predictable result, cowards, they came up with. But what can you do? Thrash to hash to Hiroki Goto in twelve minutes and thirty-nine seconds. What's your thoughts on that, Marcus? Obviously, I'm, I'm, you know, uh, biased being a go-toist, but um, <laughs> but I feel like on a personal level, for me, Goto Moxley is, is to me the better match, but Tanahashi Moxley is the bigger draw. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I like you said, Kyle, they went with the the thing, um, and I mean. You know, and maybe this didn't factor into it, but you, you know, Mox is now part of a group that includes Daniel Bryan, who has previously gone against, a, you know, one of New Japan's biggest in Suzuki. And now you got Moxley going against another one of New Japan's biggest in Tanahashi. Um, so that's that, that's an interesting note there. But ultimately, you know, while I'm definitely going to go back and check out the latter half of this call, is is definitely interesting to me. Go back and check out this match. Um yeah. There's never, there's never no shame in losing to Tanahashi. He's an absolute legend, Hall of Famer. All the grand stuff, you know, he's he's been, you know, chalked up years ago. But it would have been been cool to see, you know, Goto get that win. But you know, like you said, it's, it's the it's the narrative. It's just a bigger match with Tanahashi and and uh, Moxley going into that forbidden door. Yeah, definitely. It was. Um... I think you're right. I think that's the thing for me. It's like, I, I, I do know what Goto versus Moxley looked like. I've seen it before in the, the G1. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know what Goto, Goto versus AEW Moxley for the championship looks like. I know what Tanahashi versus Moxley for a championship looks like. I've seen that a lot. 
and there's nothing wrong with it, and I'll thoroughly enjoy it. However, Goto versus Moxley is an intriguing thing that I don't know what it looks like, but it doesn't sell tickets, like you said. That's the trouble, which is unfortunate. But here we are. Um, next up was for the New Japan Pro Wrestling King of Pro Wrestling Championship. It was the Shingo Takagi, the champion, defending against Tai Chi, the former champion, in a 10-minute unlimited pinfall scramble match, which I shall now explain. So if you got a pinfall of a one count on your opponent, that went into your score. If you got two coin, obviously you got two, two seconds, so that's two points. If you got a three count, that was three points. The referee would keep counting for as long as the wrestler was down, so someone nearly got a four count. So the longer you could pin your opponent for, that was it. So it went to a 10-minute time limit match, so obviously it was they would keep going for 10 minutes. And to be fair to Shingo Takagi and Taichi, this was thoroughly entertaining because it was something completely different and a way of doing professional wrestling I've never come across before. And Takagi and Taichi were just the guys to do it because they could eat each other hard, they can move, they can kick, they can do everything that they need to do and just come up with different combinations of pinning each other, which is really what it was all about. And there was nice dry cradles and there was big striking stuff and there was everything you could imagine. And it all went off in 10 minutes and it was brilliant. <laughs> so listen to you say that I got to go back and watch this. Yes, I have I to. Was just, yeah, it was just fun. Yeah, I mean, and, and kudos to them for coming up with a match idea, although just looking at it, um, reading it, and then hearing you go through it, I'm like, this sounds like something TNA would have thought was gold back in the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and God bless the wrestlers who would have had to deal with it. But they came up with a concept that really didn't allow for Taji to have shenanigans because he was too busy. Trying, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got a thing. But ultimately, it goes back to my narrative. We'll never boo uh, a Chicago uh, win and will and we'll never not cheer for a Taji loss. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's good. Like you said, um, definitely go back and, and watch this just for the, the concept of what they had to do because it comes down to a lot of the times like two performers having to make something like this worth watching because a lot of people just be turned off by hearing about a 10 minute unlimited pinfall scramble why don't you just do you know the best to pause <laughs> and be done with it like just simplified you got two of the best of uh, two of the potentially best just let them guys go but that is something new and you know, we've talked about New Japan for so many years now they don't necessarily do stuff like that as a norm so when they do it it's probably something to, to, to really look at because it, they are not somebody that likes to deviate from from their norm. So no, that's it. And, and also, they you know they they booked it right. You know, Shingo got a big lead. He had a five five pin five count lead. So Taichi had to go after it in the last two minutes. You know, he was on the offensive all the way through, and the crowd were lapping it up. They're like, oh, oh, ah, ah. And so it was just like just brilliant, just really well done. So. Excellent work from both guys. So it was really, really cool. Um, next up, we had the Never Openweight Championship match. Carl Anderson, the machine gun, takes it from Tama Tonga in 16 minutes and 28 seconds in a bit of a scrappy matchup. It wasn't the best Never Openweight Championship match, but it was a heated storytelling match between protege and student. And the, the well, not protege, it's your teacher and student. The teacher wins on this occasion. But I have a feeling that championship might be back around Tama Tonga's waist because it was very, very close. And this was, it wasn't, it wasn't a classical wrestling match. It was kind of an old school, never open weight 
bang Edge match and it, where it needed to be for Anderson and Tamatonga to tell a story. Tamatonga is the hot baby face in New Japan right now. Losing doesn't do an awful lot to him, I don't think. He's a young wrestler. It was his first singles championship. He beat Evil, who'd held onto that belt for so long. So therefore, I don't think it does him any harm in the long run, especially if he gets it back quickly. So yeah, this was fun to watch. And Carl Anderson makes his top of the table re-debut in New Japan Pro Wrestling. It looks like he never left. Everyone's a winner, in my opinion. This was very, very good. Thoroughly enjoyable. What's your thoughts, Marcus? Again, you uh, have a way of, you know, making me intrigued with matches that I would otherwise tune out of because they include <laughs> Carl Anderson, who I'm completely tuned out of. But as much as I hate rooting for a Tama Tonga loss because Tom is just ace in every sense of the word. But if this him being a never open weight champion, Anderson in a way keeps him um more inclined to be in New Japan and Impact, I will root for it. So, <laughs> you know, but uh yeah, like you said, it's close and hopefully I mean it was just good hearing that Tom and Tonga got that never open weight championship because I feel like it's something he's been getting up towards for a long time. Obviously coming off mm. of tag success with, with GLD, but you know, he's for you know longest time deserves some singles recognition. So um looking forward to them potentially clashing because like you said, I don't think they done. Hopefully they're not done. No. Uh, but in these situations also kinda comes off like Doc got to do more than when Pojato did. Uh Jado, I should say. <laughs> no. You know, those two are the you know, the you know, the two stooges, they're going you know, one behind the other, so uh, maybe it should have been lower in his corner instead of Jado, but you know. Lower wasn't there. He has a foot injury, mm. so he was yeah. he was on the shelf for this particular match. But I think, uh, yeah, it's it's a story they can tell. He didn't have enough backup, and um, but yeah, because it's Bullet Club you're dealing with, an old school Bullet Club, and Tama should know yeah, what but, he has to deal with. But you can definitely build that, build that like the Battle of the Gun Stones. Yeah, like, that's what it was. They yeah. were going for gun stunts all the way through the match, and it's like, oh, they're going to try it. Yeah, it's just like it was. It was predictable, but sometimes that's the right thing to do. You know, you kind of like, oh, these guys are going to go for gun stunts all the way through from beginning to end, and they did. And <laughs> it was the right story, you know, because it's they know it's a they know it's a killer move, and they know it, what they're trying to do to get over with. It wasn't Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr. or anything like that. Don't get me wrong; it's never going to be a great classical technical wrestling match, but it had emotion and drive and a story, and that's sometimes all you need. Yeah. And yeah, it was fine. It was it was very good, and it kind of sets Tamer up for some more stuff to come because he he lost clean, which again isn't a bad thing here because it means he's got something to aim for. You know, it's everyone did well out of this match, in my opinion, anyway. Um, next up was for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. The cursed title. <laughs> so let's recap, shall we? <laughs> so Lance Archer beat John Moxley for it in AW television. Then Tanahashi beat Lance Archer and then lost it in his... No, no, hang on. Uh, he lost to Kenta. Then Kenta lost it to him at Wrestle Kingdom, breaking his leg in the process. When he jumped off a ladder, he really shouldn't have jumped off of. Um, and then... Tana dropped the belt to Sonata, and then Sonata got his face broken by Will Ospreay at the New Japan Cup, so G1 Climax. So he had to relinquish the title. 
uh, sorry, the New Japan Cup. So we had to relinquish the title. So the title went up in a four-way between Tanahashi, Moxley, Juice Robinson, and uh, Will Ospreay. And then Juice Robinson got the championship. And then Juice got appendicitis. And that's why his appendix removed. So he had to relinquish the championship. <laughs> so this originally was booked as a, a three-way match between Juice Robinson, Sonata, and Will Ospreay. But Juice had to relinquish his championship because he needs his appendix being removed. But Juice wouldn't give the championship back because he wasn't going to Japan. So this was for a US championship that didn't have a belt. I think I've cleared everything up. <laughs> Yo, it's like they're actively trying to get it to have as much convoluted controversy around it as like TNA's old Legends title. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just a mess. And it's not, you know, it, it's, it all started when Moxley got the championship and then got um, these are locked out of Japan and had to relinquish it, and it's all been downhill for this championship since then. To be honest with you, because oh, wow. no one. Can... So it, it's been like, uh, you know. So yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say, even even when it's when, when it's active, it still feels like the build is on excursion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that back cover is. I mean, this this was fine. It was the match you expect Snyder and, and Will Ospreay to have. It was not terrible. I'm well-versed in not being a fan of Will Ospreay. Um, kind of disappointed when Sonata lost the championship, lost the belt here. But it is what it is, and they want the belt on Ospreay because, you know, he's he's um, internationally flying around for them all over the place uh, at the moment. Interesting to see where his debut like was on AEW. Again, he lost. <laughs> and on the lot of press made a lot, a lot of press about it this week. He lost. Here's your big star. He loses. But I don't know. I get the feeling that he's kind of like he would have got pushed harder in AEW if they wanted him to be there. But I think they just get him because they have to have him, if that makes sense. Because he would have gone to AEW before now if they desperately wanted him, wouldn't he? They had, they had him available to him and he ended up on MLW. So, and he's not gone to Impact, but I think he's probably, but then again, and I don't know why the Impact haven't used him because he was stuck in the States for quite some time as well. But, you know, they've had Jay White and he's done really well with Impact and New Japan Strong. Obviously, Will Ospreay's done a lot on New Japan Strong as well. So, I don't know what the deal is with Ospreay, but New Japan love him. So, they put the ball on him. And that's where we are. And it's fine. It's okay. It's what it is. Um, I'd rather have Sonata as champion because I don't know what Sonata as champion looks like for more than three minutes. Yeah, yeah. But I almost wish you, like, with everything that you said with the U.S., Tied, almost, you know, kind of glad he's not affiliated with it because, like you said, it's almost cursed. Uh, well, yeah, he's, I mean, he did, Osprey landed on his face with a standing moonsault in the G1 climax, and that's, that's why he'd relinquish the belt. <laughs> which is, again, which is very weird universally because how many times, even with it's, as much crap as is around Osprey, how many times does he mess up? You know, so it's like, yeah, and that's a whole other story, another something else as well, but yeah. Yeah. But there we are. We are so that's what we're at with that. Um, cage match guys liked it. They give it eight point three. I thought it was all right. I knew it was. I knew kind of knew what it was going to be, and I was happy with it for what it was. But again, and this is a bit of a theme of the evening. Twelve minutes and fifty seconds for your semi-main event is a bit short, isn't it? And Tanahashi and Goto was twelve minutes thirty-nine, and Gallows and Anderson got sixteen minutes, which I think was deserved. But I'd rather have seen the Never Open Weight Championship match further up the card because people care about Tamatonga. Really, a great deal, and it's a would have been more of a money match in my opinion but there you go yeah there you go. main event of the evening jay white 
defeats Kazuchika Okada for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship in 36 minutes and five seconds, pulling a Blade Runner out of nowhere in the middle of a Rainmaker to take the win and take the championship. In uh, It wasn't shocking for a couple of reasons because Okada this week let slip. His wife is pregnant, that you have a baby in August, and he said, I'd like to take some time to spend with my with my new child, which is fairly obvious. And, you know, it was like, oh, is he going to win on Sunday? <laughs> I'm like, mm, maybe not. And, you know, you're going into Forbidden Door, and Adam Cole has made, sorry, Adam uh, Hangman Page has made it clear he wanted Okada to prove he was the best wrestler in the world, which didn't necessarily bode well from being championship coming out of it, because it hangman wins then he would have been iwgp world heavyweight champion in the car that yet <laughs> one day maybe but not right now um so yeah so this was an exceptional professional wrestling match of the highest orders you expect these two to deliver and everything went a bit woo for a while no I, mean, I don't doubt it i mean these two are the best uh certainly no stranger to each other and uh yeah, I mean, ultimately, Jay White always, in some form or fashion, always plays the ultimate spoiler. But I think, like you said, it was kind of spoiled here because of, like you said, Okada kind of, you know, talked about one sometime off, and rightfully so, uh, with with the family aspect. But, you know, it works because Jay can now vacillate between New Japan and, and you know, Impact and, and AEW, depending on how, you know, things are, you know, regulated. Um, and be that mouthpiece and just be that guy, like, like he always is, you know, like I said, the ultimate spoiler, everybody's favorite villain going around talking trash. So, you know, it, it works. Obviously, hey, man, I had to wait a little longer to, to get at Okada for the title, but, I mean, he could still try and have a match because it doesn't, you know. <laughs> well, this is, you know, the championship is a sprinkle on top, but, you know, beating Okada is beating Okada, so, you know. Well, that, that was the, the first comment out of Jay White's mouth when he got the microphone was, hey, Hangman Page, you want Okada? You can fucking have him. This, because <laughs> you ain't getting this. <laughs> so yeah, it was like, yeah, that was. That was, was like, all right, Jay White's back in charge. We're there. That's that's where we're at. And I have no problem with Jay. I I love Okada, and I want Okada to win every match he ever is in. And I loved this run because it was the mini show of the the seven hundred twenty day reign. It was like. It was the imperious edge was back. He had everything swinging for him. But I quite understand that being world champion for a major wrestling company is not the easiest job in the world. And the guy's been beat up for the last 10 years. You know, it's it's 10 years since the Rainmaker shock, since he beat Tanahashi for the championship the first time. And I think this is the time White, Jay White gets to have an extended run with that championship and will do amazing things with that championship, especially if he carries it into the G1 Climax. You know, it... If he wins it as champion, he's never won the G1 before, but he wins it as champion, that's something else he can rub in a card of space because a card has never done that. You know, there's there's all sorts of things you can do with Jay White as champion you can't do with the card as champion. And I think he's the only viable option to get you to Wrestle Kingdom other than a card. You know, if you want NATO or you want Ibushi or if you want any of the big name players that you've got, they've all wrestled a card. So it's got to be somebody different. And Jay's the only one with the gravitas to kind of carry that belt off and make it seem a card-like level of godness, if you see what I mean. 
Yeah, I mean he's uh, he's a all he's an all two player at this point. You know, Jay White's ascension has been interesting to watch. Even at a point where you didn't like him, it's like, you know, he, he's made himself undeniable. And then with him now having, with him now being able to hit that blade run out of nowhere, it just makes him even more dangerous. Like you said, he hit that in the midst of a of a rainmaker. You know, which is not you know, nothing nothing to scarf. And like I said, he can. Ultimate bad guy going back and forth talking trash night, you know, leading Bullet Club or a version of it anyway. Um and yeah, he's just is nobody he hasn't beat. And and continuing that narrative, like you said, like at his age, what he's done, who he's beat in the time that he's done it in is unprecedented. So you continue to add to that list and you could just lord it over everybody, you know. Yeah, that's it, and we'll see what happens. I assume Chris Saban will be getting his IWGP World Heavyweight Championship match sooner rather than later. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> I think that's unlikely, but we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, it was overall a bit of a patchy card, as you can probably tell. It's 6,068 in Osaka Joe Hall, though. is nothing to be sniffed at. Osaka Joe Hall's Current capacity is oh, where does it say? I'm going here. Regional location, event type, No, does it say? Um, I, I know it's somewhere around about eight or nine thousand. It wasn't a sellout, but they did they put more than they would have done in the Eddie Arena, so they did really well with it. Um, the show was good, it was solid, and it kind of puts them back on track. They announced the G1, they've got the company's doing well, and you know, and obviously. 50th anniversary, they've got a lot of things coming up. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an intriguing rest of year now. The whole story gets rewritten again. And that's that's the cool thing about coming out of this. So yeah. Um, and of course, you've got Forbidden Door to look forward to. So it looks like you're going to get Okada versus Hangman Page. You might get Adam Cole versus Jay White. You're definitely getting John Moxley versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the AEW Interim World Heavyweight Championship. You're likely to get FTR versus uh, Carbon O'Khan. We'll see what else will happen, I suppose. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Zach Sabre Jr. called out Brian Danielson. See, that's the perfect line of part, and you don't need, you know, nobody, nobody with an axe to grind with Tony Khan on a mic nowhere near the card. No, and he, <laughs> he did say... Uh, I know he's hanging out with the Blackpool Country Club now. Though, uh, yeah, so it looks like uh, you're going to get a whole kind of north versus south shooter kind of style affair, which should be very entertaining for everybody involved. Absolutely. Indeed. And that covers us for wrestling that happened this week. We will be back next week. We'll probably look at Cyber Fight Festival and we'll probably look at NWA. Uh, are you up for the NWA, Marcus? Yeah, yeah, I should definitely check it out. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, Mid Cardona is out, so that'll be uh, intriguing. Yes, give it all that. I do understand. I think it was no surprise that he would have to relinquish the championship as he's been walking around with the cast for the last three weeks. But there you go. <laughs> sure, Christmas came early for that. Uh, for some of those, I'm sure. That, I'm sure the GCW fans were watching. Uh, somewhere via live feed clapping. <laughs> so the NWA fans by Boston, I think the Impact fans as well, we're just wrestling fans generally, joyous in Matt Cardona's misery. Uh. Anywho, 
Thank you for listening to the Troopany Show today. Thank you very much, Marcus. Where can we find you on the internet, sir? Oh man, always always a pleasure. You can find me on Twitter. Uh, always down a, down to talk and conversate. Uh, that's at Paradox Kid. P A R A D O X K I D. You can find me at Sheriff Lonestar. You can find the show Troopany Show on Twitter. You can find us on Facebook, The Troopany Show, and on Patreon, The Troopany Show. We can keep the Troopany Show free forever for everyone. Thank you very much for listening to us today. So much wrestling to watch this week. We're on our way to Forbidden Door. And the man who invented the phrase Forbidden Door is going to be in the main event for the heavyweight championship of the world. It's funny how things go right for Hiroshi Tanahashi, isn't it? Take care. We'll speak to you soon. Bye. Thank mm-hmm. you.